0: Good morning, everyone, and thanks for joining us. You can see all our big smiles on the camera because it took us till 10 seconds ago to get all the technology working this morning. So, um, talk about um, sparking transformation through crisis there, Isaiah. (laughs) We did that for sure this morning. So, happy you're all here with us. I'm excited to have uh, Isaiah, Dr. Isaiah Pickens, and Whitney Dillard with me, which I'll introduce both of them here in just a second. Um, But this is another episode, obviously, of Mornings with Marit. So um, don't forget that we do have a Facebook page, so you're welcome to join us there and share your conversations and ideas with us. Um, Really, every Mornings with Marit that we design comes from ideas you guys bring, whether I get emails from you or you, you join the conversation on Facebook. So please continue to contribute so that we can continue to bring programming that's relevant. So so with that, I'm excited to introduce the, the picture doesn't look quite the same there, Dr. Pickens. Um, it looks like you've got your coronavirus uh, uh, beard, yeah, going yeah. Got but, beard going on <laughs> there.. <laughs> Great. So what I'm going to do is actually have each of you introduce yourselves a little bit, and then we'll get into the conversation about how we got to this topic and how that was created. So Dr. Pickens, I'll let you go ahead and, and give us a little bit of background about you.
1: Great. Well, I'm really excited to be here with everyone. Um, This was definitely an adventure, and I think it actually is a microcosm of what we've all experienced, right? Uh, The uncertainty of what will happen next, particularly in these virtual spaces, right? Um, And so one of the areas that I've really been focused on, particularly um, in the Past few months is how to help people navigate through this time of uncertainty. So my background is I'm a clinical psychologist by training, um, and I've done work uh, as a professor at NYU uh, School of Medicine as well as at UCLA, and am currently CEO and founder of Eye Opening Enterprises. And a big part of what we do with our team is translate all that great psychological science that I'm sure you've been hearing about on the news about people maybe feeling lonely in this space um, with social distancing, um, bosses not knowing how to create a safe virtual workspace. Um, And and all of these other issues related to mental wellness and well-being, um, that's what me and my team really focus on, is how do we make this translatable to the people who need it most, which are you on the ground, as you're really helping people navigate a lot of uncertainty, whether it be through the pandemic, whether it be through economics, or also what has recently happened and what our team really focuses on and what I've focused on throughout my career, is how to have an understanding of the whole person. And for me, the whole person is really connected to our diversity, equity, and inclusion, because it's about how do people feel safe as themselves in their workplace, but also in their life in general, and manage the workplace stress that happens around them. And so um, much of my career has been dedicated to really helping organizations think through that from both uh, individual employees on the ground standpoint, but also from a systemic standpoint, because one of the things that I think is beautiful about this moment, I, I know there's a lot of tragedy that we're dealing with, a lot of challenges that we're dealing with, but we also have an opportunity to build something better um, out of the crises that we've been experiencing, as well as the opportunity to really rethink how we look at systems and how we have a systemic approach and not a piecemeal approach to a lot of the things that we're thinking about so that we have sustained growth and support um, in the next year, you know, as this pandemic winds down, hopefully, and beyond in the decades to come. So I'm really excited to be on here and talk about some of the things that I've learned uh, along my career and with my team over the past few months.
0: Great. Well, thank you for being here. We appreciate it. We just met last week. So um, we've definitely put this together quickly. And thank you, Whitney. You obviously connected the dots here for us. Um, Whitney's the Director of Diversity and Inclusion for the National Big Eye. Many of you have probably seen some of her um, either presentations or articles or communications that she sends to many of us. So Whitney, I'll let you give us a little bit of background on you.
2: You're on mute. <laughs> I am notorious for doing that, quite, quite frankly, in the past uh, few months. Uh, yeah, so I've had an opportunity to work with the Big Eye for six years uh, with our diversity and inclusion programs, as, along with our Agents Council for Technology. Uh, as far as my work with diversity and inclusion, it actually started in high school. So, in high school, I went to a predominantly uh, white high school, and uh, I was able to uh, co- I was one of the co-founders for the Black Student Association and also bringing African-American literate, uh, Lit into our high school, and then after that I went over to college and Voluntarily uh, worked for the Office of Academic Multicultural Initiatives and helped to get urban youth into the University of Michigan Then after that I ended up doing a fellowship uh, with the impact movement Which focused on helping African-American college students uh, with financial literacy and leadership development So. All of these fabulous uh, volunteer types of work ended up leading me uh, into eventually taking on a full-time role as uh, the Director for Diversity and Inclusion for the Big Eye. We've done a lot of phenomenal programming. Um, I'm very, very, very proud of our state association and, leader, so, uh, excuse me, state associations and leadership uh, as far as their response to the social unrest that's taken place in the past month or so. Great. Well, thank you very much, Whitney. Um, We're going to
0: jump in today to just talk a little bit about, you know, this safe work environment. So, um, Dr. Pickens, I really appreciate you starting this conversation. What I'll say is this actually came the topic of how do we do this entire webinar came from agents asking me over the last month, you know, how how do I even know that my staff is under stress? And in fact, our organization got together with a few of the managers a couple of weeks ago, and you could see a team that was extremely we're a very connected team. The culture's really strong, but even because we've been separated for three months and we're not seeing each other and people have different um, ways of approaching it, have different feelings about things, they're under different levels of stress, you could already see the tension within the team as to how do I respond to you. And and it concerned me from a perspective of people feeling excluded at some level or not, when, when really we are trying to be inclusive and collaborative and I know um, Dr. Pickens you and I when we talked the other day you talked quite a bit about identity and how this whole pandemic and economic uncertainty and social and racial tensions really does challenge us as individuals and how do we work through that and what are some things we can pay attention to for our team members and ourselves and and we'll look at some ideas from you today as to what we can do moving forward to be helpful.
1: Yeah, I think that's a great setup for what we're going to discuss because so much of even before this pandemic, creating a workplace that's safe has been talked about time and time again. But what does that actually mean? Well, in our field, when we talk about safety, we're often talking about Physical safety, which is actually really important right now because there are real physical dangers that people feel, um, but also psychological safety. And what psychological safety is, is a person believing that they have the ability to manage the stress or whatever um, challenges are happening around them or they can reach out to someone who will help them manage that stress. And here's the truth. No matter how physically safe a person may uh, feel that they are, if they don't have a sense of psychological safety, that belief in being able to manage stress, they'll still respond as if there's threats around them, or they'll still respond as if they need to protect themselves in some way. And so how might this show up in the workplace? Well, you know, one of the main areas I think that this uh, shows up is when people feel like their concerns aren't believed by people in power. And I think this is a really important um, aspect of this idea of psychological safety, because whether we're talking about the pandemic, whether we're talking about economic uncertainty, or whether we're talking about racial and social unrest and tensions in the workplace, nothing makes someone feel more unsafe than when the people who actually have power to help them feel safe don't seem to fully believe that that is happening in the first place, right? And so this can show up by, you know, saying that, yeah, we believe coronavirus is an issue, but... It's something that doesn't really hurt a lot of people, so you can still come to work, right? So, so, so you're actually saying, I don't believe how much this is difficult for you and undermining your psychological safety. You might say, Yeah, I know a lot of people are being laid off right now, um, but you're, 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 you're fine. There's no need for you to worry. And even though, of course, your intentions are good, you're not really being able to be responsive and 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 hear the true concern that your employees or your staff have. And you're saying, I don't believe you, right? And then when it comes to racial tensions I mean we see this happen in so many ways right microaggressions in the workplace that may occur where people's uh, voices might not be valued in the same way or when their voices are heard is is, is painted as either being hostile or um or, or, or simple things I've seen this happen so many times where people say yeah I know that was tough but it, it probably didn't happen the way you think it did or the person didn't mean it in that way again you're saying I don't believe you and that can make a person feel psychologically unsafe and so the way that we really start to move forward in each of these areas is first just believing them <laughs> and 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 that sounds simple but it actually can be really hard because as Amart was saying so much of how we navigate the world is tied to our identities and our identities are shaped by the beliefs we've had in the past whether it's beliefs that have come from our family whether it's beliefs that have come from our own experiences whether it's beliefs that have come from the media and 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 all of these beliefs shape the way that we think about keeping ourselves psychologically safe it, they they shape the way that we think about who we should trust and who we shouldn't trust, because that's the other half of having a safe environment is also having a trusting work environment. And the way you build trust is by being able to have people feel that their concerns are heard and believed, and that people in power whether it's the decision makers at the top or colleagues who, who have influence in the office actually take their concerns into account in meaningful ways. And so so one of the things I really want to impress upon you in terms of moving towards a safe work environment is being able to create a space where people can share concerns and the, the response that uh, people have um, is one of curiosity instead of judgment. And that is, that is a, a fundamental distinction in an unsafe work environment versus a safe work environment. And, and what I'm describing to you actually is very much related to our ways that we navigate identity because it, it, uh, the concept I just shared is actually a concept called cultural humility. And this is just the belief that you have that other people don't have to see the world the same as you. And when they don't see the world the same as you, you don't approach it with judgment, but instead you approach it with curiosity. And that curiosity will open up conversations that lead to trust. And so so these are just some basic foundations for us to understand. And and I'll talk a bit more in depth uh, around how identity plays a role in this because one of the most important identities that are being undermined at this point uh, time and history are our professional identities right and, and because our professional identities are coming into a potential conflict with a lot of different um aspects of my life right they might be coming in conflict with our identity as someone who is uh keeping our family safe right so we're we're having to think about do i go into work and risk you know potentially getting coronavirus and then you know talking with my parents and my parents are in that risk demographic and and i'm bringing this home do i you know uh take care of my kids who aren't in school right now or or may have to go to school and, and face that risk or do I say, look, I, I need you know, some more balance to my schedule at work so I can manage these different things. And so what we know about identity is that our identities, our most important identities, our identities as in our work, our identities as, our, as a parent, as a spouse, our identities as parents, uh, caregivers, as our racial identity, our gender identity, all of those identities, the ones that are most important to us are what shape, what causes us stress, And also what motivates us. And the more that we attune to those identities and become aware of what's making that identity feel safe or unsafe and who can we connect with to build trust or who do we distrust, those foundations will allow us to start thinking about how we create a safer and more trusting workplace. So
0: Dr. Pickens, when you when we go through something like this and you so one of the things I wrote down is, you know, pay attention to the the times you talk to an employee and you say but (laughs) to them right so we always talk about get the buts out of here right because we know that you're just about to discount what was just said to them so I think that's kind of a technique we can pay attention to how do you deal with it from a perspective of I can't you know there might be some people who are on here today that can't They don't have the luxury of saying to their employees, you can work from home. I need you to come into work. And yet they're very concerned about, you know, what that looks like. It's interesting. I was talking to somebody the other day, and he said that an agency that he was working with, they actually have um, like those Neil Armstrong bands that you have, and everybody has a different color one. So you can choose red, which means um, stay away from me. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Yellow, hey, I can talk to you, but let's, you know, be careful and green, you know, you can come over and hug me. I don't care. But it was interesting to see a cue that that culture has said, we accept that. Did you find other techniques? And then how do you actually talk to an employee where you say, I believe you, I believe that you're stressed under this, but I don't have, there's the but, I don't have the tools to allow you to work from, we need you here from a customer base.
1: Can you talk about how to approach that and still create safety? Yeah. So it's a couple of things that I'll point out here. And I think this is great. I think the first, uh, 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 key to creating safety is transparency. Um, you know, by I know this is hard for leaders sometimes because you want to be the one who has the answers, who is in control of everything, but transparency around what are the, the areas you're concerned with and what are the opportunities that you see um, right from the outset and having a very frank conversation can increase this sense of safety. The, the second thing I'll say along with that conversation that can be really powerful, and I love the example you gave around the different bands that people have is, uh, collaborating with your staff about how you can communicate when you do need support and how you can communicate about navigating some of the challenges that you don't have the answers to. And that goes with that concept of cultural humility. In addition to uh, uh, facing people's differences with curiosity instead of judgment, cultural humility also says, I don't have all the answers and we can collaboratively work together to think through some of the answers of these questions um, in a way that uh, makes both of us feel like our needs are being met in this situation. And, and, And specifically, you know one of the things I think that um, really is helpful when people are are beginning to have this conversation is is just being able to inventory the things that have worked in the past in terms of communication, both verbal and nonverbal. I think sometimes we believe we have to we have to start from scratch um, because we're facing a new challenge but in, in actuality, I'm sure there's been experiences in the past where there's been challenges around communication there's been challenges around a protocol around uh, uh, discussing these issues. Well, what has worked well in the past? And from what has worked well in the past, and again, gather that from your entire staff, so this is a collaborative process, what what um, um, solutions or at least bridges to solutions can we start to uh, uh, use in, in, in this work setting? And, and and you know, the, the third thing I'll say, and I think this is so, so important, is, is for leaders to model what they expect. I think sometimes in these situations, you know, we're, we're, we're saying, um, and I've seen this happen so many times with the best intentions, we're saying, you know, we need everyone to come in and we need all these things to happen, but, you know, something comes up with our kid and we have to come in a little bit late, which is completely fine, but I think if, if we're able to, to, to model kind of how we expect people to communicate about that when these things come up and we're able to model um, how we might want to hear um, some of the feedback from others, then it can go a long way to creating a culture um, around um, uh, us being able to share. And to your question, Mart, about you know how do you have the conversations around um, I, I, I believe you, Um, You know, I I think, I think, you know, one of the ways, again, gathering from your, your staff and your community is, is having moments of reflection. Reflection is actually not something we naturally have. It's it's a tool, it's a skill that we develop over time. And what I mean by reflection is, you know, being able to uh, have your team reflect on what's, what's the time that you felt really hurt at work? What was it about that moment that made you feel heard? Again, collecting all that from your staff and then being able to really repurpose all those things they share with you in a way that really makes sense for them. And, and, and part of the reason, you know, I, I know sometimes people really want like a formula, like what words do I say? And and, and that's great. But, but one of the reasons I really resist giving formulas versus, you know, giving processes that can help is one, situations change, so you'll need to say different things. But two, so much of what we do, is, is it, has, it needs to be embedded in the culture we already have. Because we're already dealing with the transition, with the pandemic, with racial tensions, with economic uncertainty. Let's try to have as few transitions as possible and try to, as best as possible, maintain some stability in our culture and build on the strengths there so we can keep moving forward.
0: Yeah, great. I appreciate that. It, you know, it's interesting. Um, two things that came to mind for me while you were talking is one, you know, we hear, we've heard over the last year or two in books like Culture Code or Brene Brown all about vulnerability and how important it is as leaders to be able to be vulnerable. And this is a time to do that, to say, I don't know all the answers. Let's talk about it. And I know, Whitney, we're going to talk with you in just a few minutes here about, you know, how do you have conversations about racial. Um, tensions and so forth, which can be really uncomfortable um, for people, especially if they're not used to it or even live in a community that doesn't have much diversity. So it becomes sort of a, is that kind of awkward to have or not? So I, th- I think the big thing is, is and I, th- I think we've heard you guys talk mm-hmm. about it before, is, you know, getting comfortable being uncomfortable, not having all the answers um, and being willing to ad- admit that to your employees and say, we'll work through this. Um, The other thing that occurred to me is when you say what's working, in fact, a couple weeks ago, we were talking about bringing our team back, and we paused and said, you know what, it's working, (laughs) so let's not disrupt it all over again, let's ride this out the best way we can, let's maintain that stability, but then maintain also the, we still have monthly things, we still get together, we still communicate, so we've got that pattern, and I think it's when people don't talk about it at all, that people start to make up their own truth right and so i appreciate that transparency that you're commenting on so i think you have some specific steps for folks we want to go through those a little bit here yeah that sounds
1: great that sounds great great Great. So so these are some steps that we have really found that are important for building safety. And again, I think that's one of your pillars that you want to focus on first, because once people feel safe, then they feel open to have these transparent conversations. And it's not just one way, you being transparent and them not. Um, and so a couple of things. Um, gratitude plays a huge role in being able to frame how you move forward. And this is something that for many might feel like, is, is this just some touchy feely thing that a psychologist is telling me to do with my team um, that really doesn't have an impact? It actually has tremendous impact. And part of what we see that gratitude allows to happen is it allows your team to be able to reframe challenges and problems because they're coming to it from a perspective of how can we work to make this work as opposed to what's wrong with this and where are the barriers and problems and and, and and regardless of what you're talking about regardless of whether it's actually related to the topic at hand or not just by starting with gratitude it does that and even from a biological standpoint one of the things we know is that when people have a pattern of gratitude when people are able to reframe situations using optimism and, and when we think. About optimism, we really think about it is expanding our lens in terms of the possibilities. What are the positive possibilities in this situation? It's not putting on, you know, red colored glasses. I'm saying the wrong thing red shaded glasses, whatever whatever they are. Rose, that's what I'm looking (laughs) for. Rose ones. ones. (laughs) (laughs) Too many things, but it's it's not about putting on rose colored glasses and saying, oh, there's nothing wrong with the world. It's, It's actually looking at things, but expanding your perspective. See, where are the positive possibilities in this? situation what we know from a scientific standpoint is that when you do that on a regular basis your brain actually produces less of a neurotransmitter called GABA which is responsible for our anxiety and so if you actually want to reduce that stress response practicing gratitude both individually and as a team can really help to support that the other thing too is creating buddy systems that integrate wellness I think we've come to a space where people have sincerely asked in the morning how are you doing how are you doing and they actually care right and and it's kind of nice being in this space where like people aren't just saying it as you know some idiom that they want to throw out there but it's actually people actually care how people are Well, you can actually systematize that. You can institutionalize that by creating things like buddy systems or partner system, whatever you might want to call it, so that someone has a person that they can go to to help them deal with challenges and maybe even someone who's in that same um, um, status level. So, you know, sometimes it can be hard maybe to talk to your supervisor, but there's a colleague who you really can connect with. And once you have permission from your employer to talk about these issues, it creates a space where this is just a part of the culture, it's a part of the norm, and it doesn't feel like something weird when I have to to bring this thing up and then also one of the things that helps people feel safe in ways that we're not always aware of is when their contributions are meaningful so if for instance, your staff tell you all these things about what makes them feel um, unsafe, or they have all these ideas about how to support the workplace, and you pretty much say, okay, 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 and, and you dismiss most of them. Well, all of a sudden, I don't feel as safe in this workplace because I, I, I put myself out there, and you just pretty much told me you didn't care. Maybe that's not the words you said, but you're resp- said that and so I, I would encourage you as you're getting these recommendations even if there's just one little thing that you can do based on those recommendations and, and you have to reshape it some way just do that to show that you're hearing and valuing your staff and that will help them feel safe and it'll help them build trust to buy into what you're doing too. The other thing too, and I, I say this depending on the role, is is diversifying job responsibilities. Sometimes what can happen is the people who are really good get punished because they're so good you give them more and more work or you give them more and more responsibilities and that can actually decrease their sense of safety as well as reinforcing people who might not have the competence feeling that they're not competent at all and lower what we call their self-efficacy, which is their belief in their ability to do a job successfully. And so when you're able to be thoughtful about diversifying what their responsibilities are you're able to create scenarios where people feel more confident in more things and they also feel valued so just a couple of quick steps of things to think about there we can go to the next slide Mark.
0: yeah and i'll just comment one of the things we do we usually do it the month of november But maybe it's a good time to do it now is we do um, have buddies. We assign people to each other. And then every day they have to communicate, whether it's text or phone or email, three things they're grateful for every single day to try and create that habit of let's look around the world. And it's always a fun thing that we do. So maybe that's something we can get back at, you know, during this time. And because we're not connected socially as much either, it, it will force more interaction. So good, good reminder. Thank you.
1: Yeah, of course. And and I think a lot of these things, are, they're not rocket science. It's just about being disciplined as an organization to put them in place on a consistent basis um, and not be a knee-jerk reaction to the moment, right? Um, and, so, and so the next part, I talked about trust being such an important part. Part of the trust is also creating a safe and brave space. And when we talk about bravery, part of what we're talking about is a person feeling that they have the space to uh, express their authentic identity without being punished for right without feeling like I need to censor it in you know more you know a woman feeling like I can be just as you know uh, focused on career and 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 growth and and development without being called a bunch of names and without being said that you know oh she's not good to work with right all these things are about creating brave spaces and so some ways to create brave spaces is to create opportunities to share reasons for stress Without reprisal so we talked about some of these things in terms of the communication but also um, being able to uh, uh, have staff have conversations with one another in similar status groups here's what I mean about that a lot of organizations sometimes have town halls which are great but in the town hall you know it's your boss and and your boss is there and I'm only gonna say but so much I want to keep my job right but if you're able to create spaces where similarly status Um, individuals can come together and really share their true challenges there's true hopes there's true grievances and then have that anonymously uh, sent to the leadership so that people are feel protected and then you respond to that that can create a whole new world for you to work with in terms of being able to support your staff. And then the other thing is and this is something Martin I think that was really related to your thankfulness is, is it's kind of a, a, a focus, the more intentional way around the thankfulness is routinely celebrating the skills, contributions and uniqueness of staff. I think sometimes and and, and I I can speak about this and I'm sure Whitney has seen this um, you know as we've Move towards how do we have an anti-racist um, uh, uh, organization? How do we think about racism and prejudice and uh, prejudices, sexism? All these uh, areas. Uh, I think sometimes the movement of this has been um, um, it very well intentioned, but has gone in a place of let's just see everyone the same, but that but everyone isn't the same. People are different. They have different skills. They have different uniquenesses. Let's celebrate that. So anti-racism, anti-sexism, anti-homophobia isn't saying let's not pay attention to it. In fact, it's saying let's pay attention to it more. But let's celebrate it instead of making it a barrier to connection, to our promotions, to all of these different things. Let's actively be a part of that. And so periodically, you know, requesting feedback on how to make the workplace more inclusive. Like what makes you feel welcome when you come into workplace? What has helped you feel heard? Um, And celebrating Contributions of staff um, when they are modeling this feedback and they're they're, they're um, inspiring greater greater trust um, could, could really really be a big part um, of of how you start to cultivate this organizational uh, piece. And one of the things I always like to say when I talk about this as it relates to workplace wellness and DEI is people sometimes feel like okay we got to do this on top of all of our work and what I like to say is this is the work because your work your bottom line research has shown time and time again it's not necessarily just about having a diverse workforce it's having a diverse workforce who believes that there's equity and inclusion at the workplace because actually you can cause more conflict if you have a diverse workforce and you don't pay attention to these things because the tension builds up but if you have a workforce that actually does this better it, 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 it can see exponential growth. In fact, there was a, a study that came out either from Harvard or Glassdoor that said diverse groups that work well together see a nineteen percent increase on their bottom line um over the first couple of years and that only increases over time because of all of um the, the resources that they're they're grabbing on from their staff and their unique talents. And so the last slide Mart if if you want to uh Hop to that, unless you have some, some feedback on this as well, which would be great. No, well,
0: I mean, th- what's funny is we talk a lot about equitable versus equal, right? And so how important that is in, you know, it, it, it's that you want to be fair, but everybody's needs are different. So if you can have a culture that supports that and says it does, you know, I did a presentation a couple years ago that was basically about how to remove, um, in your organization because if you scorekeepers prevent you from an equitable environment because they always think well I have to have the same as that other person and frankly they're missing out on their own what their own joy their own motivations and desires so it's great to hear that good so we'll have you do this last slide and then we'll pop over to Whitney to give us some advice on um, diversity and inclusion and discussions that we should have in our teams
1: That's great. I I love that idea of, uh, you know, eliminating the scorekeeper. And and the way we usually think about equity versus equality is equality is giving everyone the same. Equity is giving them what they need, right? And so, you know, being able to just be very clear about, you know, that and understanding their needs, again, goes to this idea of psychological safety. Um, So one of the things that me and my team focus on in the work that we do um, with organizations is the three A's. And and just as a note, if anybody wants more information about uh, either any of the things we you uh, shared or to get access to another webinar my team and I have done, um, you can go ahead and use your phone actually and use this QR code and it'll lead you to a a page that can get you more information. But let me just go over this uh, three A's uh, that we focus on. And it focuses on acknowledge, ask, and adjust. And the acknowledge is really about being able to believe what's going on, pretty much what I said, believing that these things happen. And so it's simply acknowledging the presence of bias, uh, discrimination, harassment, and microaggressions that can occur the workplace you know I think one simple strategy to do this is just have an acknowledged statement right it's just an acknowledged statement we know that your life experiences may have led you through um, or or it put you in contact with people who don't value you as your whole self and we value you as your whole self here and we want you to be able to share when you don't feel safe when you don't feel this so that we can honor and, and that sense of safety being explicit about this I think for some people feels like it invites a bunch of challenges but in fact what it does is it invites openness that may for a short period feel painful but in the long run will really grow your team's strength and their ability to connect the other thing is being able to actually ask directly has there been times you felt unsafe here And giving people a either anonymous or a kind of private confidential space to share that without reprisal because again We don't know what other people's experiences are. Now, I'll I'll just talk from personal experience. Um, You know, even from uh, 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 one of the uh, people in my company, she, she had a conversation with me and she said, you know, we go out and we do these trainings around diversity, equity, and inclusion. And it's different for you as a black man presenting than me as a black woman. And she just kind of she 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 took me through things that I just wasn't aware of, that I may be areas of privilege for me as a man that 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 might I might not get pushed back in some areas that she may get pushed back in. And so by having that dialogue, it actually strengthened both of us to better understand, all right, what are things you might face that I don't and I need to account for as the leader of this company. And Then finally, adjust. This is actually taking into account, and this just goes back to all the things we said. Everything you're gathering, being able to actually do it in the environment. I'll, I'll leave you with this analogy. I always think of these three A's as if, someone had cut in front of you in line, right? If someone cuts in front of you in line and they acknowledge the fact, oh, did I cut in front of you in line? They ask the question, you know, did I cut in front of you? Well, that's that's good. And that, that deflates your anger a little bit. But if they stand right there and in front of you, you still want to smack them in the back of the head, right? Because they didn't actually adjust based on all the information they gathered. And so if we're going through the process of gathering this information and acknowledging but we're not actually adjusting our workplace, it can actually create more frustration. So I encourage you guys to put into action these three A's to create a safe trusting and inclusive work environment great well thank you very much I think that gives us some specific takeaways
0: and of course this presentation will be available for folks and if you want copies of the slides we're happy to share those as well so we're going to flip over now to to Whitney and I do love the analogy of smacking somebody in the head so you know that's my takeaway today is do I get to do that I don't know um but Whitney I know, you got to, you know, have fun sometimes, right? So there are certain people you sometimes just want to smack them. So that's how it works. But we'll keep it real. So so Whitney, let's talk a little bit about what you've been doing um, at the Big Eye with the state associations and trying to really be, to, to create conversation and get people to open up and, and do exactly what Dr. Pickens was talking about.
2: Certainly. Before I go there, I just want to uh, comment on um, some of the things that uh, Dr. Pickens was talking about. There was a study in 2019 done by I- ITA Group, which is a research firm based out of Iowa, and essentially they reported the fact that those companies that implement effective holistic wellness programs using some of the uh, the various uh, action steps that Isaiah talked about, how they experienced an average of $5.93 to a dollar savings-to-cost ratio, that there's a de- decrease in health-related costs of 26% and a reduction in workers' compensation and disability claims by 30%. And even as far as six days, they're 28%, uh, there's a decrease of 28% in sick days. So this type of stuff, it really does go to your bottom line as far as making sure that you're more profitable uh, as far as a company. So thank you, Isaiah, for sharing uh, those steps. So yeah, we had an opportunity uh, with the big eye to start Courageous Conversations, and we started them internally. And we call them Courageous Conversations because conversations, anytime you're dealing with race, is not something that we typically talk about, especially not in the workplace. So I think the next slide, Mari, probably has uh, some of the guidelines. Yes. So essentially, for the Courageous Conversations, I'll kind of start you with just some of the questions um, that we put out there, and essentially what we recommend is that people uh, essentially pr- uh, allow this to be a voluntary activity across your staff, and to keep things into smaller groups, whether it be three people, uh, we wouldn't recommend having more than six or seven people to participate, but essentially, rather it be in-person or a Zoom call, similar to how we're able to see each other, uh, Mark, uh, Dr. Pickens and, Pickens and I are able to see each other right now, uh, to be able to uh, definitely uh, see each other and engage it with each other directly. But as far as some of the questions that we have, uh, one of the questions that we have, and I'm looking them up really, really quickly, is when were you first aware of your race? So when you think about that question, uh, that's probably not something you've heard someone ask you before. So it takes some time to really think about it and decide us to reflect about and decide, so when, when was that the first time that I ever thought about race? So that's one question that we recommend uh, to have in small groups. Another question is, what do you remember from childhood about how you made sense of human differences? What confused you? Again, it's going to take some time to think about that question. Another question is, what childhood experiences did you have with friends or adults who were different from you in some way? So the awesome thing about courageous conversations is it kind of helps you to tap into some of your own unconscious biases. Because we realized internally as a staff, we held six different small group uh, conversations, and we realized we really did not know each other that well outside of what we did at work. So there were people that were uh, white individuals that, you know, they had um, whether it be black family members or whether it be uh, other other uh, people of other races that were in their immediate family as their cousins and you know aunts, uncles, and some some individuals, they had you know their first relationship was an interracial relationship. So we were able to talk about those different types of things and how we have not taken the time out to have this courageous conversation about race. We probably wouldn't recognize how sensitive people are regardless of what we see on the outside are about um, the, the different things that are taking place right now. So some of the conversation guidelines that we have, one is stay engaged, and again, that's going, going about the fact that to have these conversations in person or via uh, video chat another one is being authentic so coming and being ready to share your truth and then also being accepting of other people's truth we can't really necessarily erase our backgrounds but we can definitely change where we go in our future another one is is the fact that we need to make sure that we're um, okay with experiencing discomfort Again, we don't have these conversations often, so they're going to feel uncomfortable. Um, One of the things that I think of when you're talking about diversity and inclusion, uh, racial relations, anything that's an uncomfortable conversation is it's very similar to when you work out and that first time you went to a boot camp and how absolutely ridiculously painful it was to go to that first day of boot camp or any type, whether you ran a mile whatever the case may be any type of physical activity that you've never done before the first time you do it it is very difficult but as you continue to 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 stay on that process and stay in that routine of, of leaning into that physical activity it becomes easier and you're able to reap the results so the same goes when you're dealing with these courageous conversations the more often you lean into them, the more likely you're going to be able to grow in them and feel a lot more comfortable in them. Um, the last thing, and I think it's on the, the other slide that you just switched. Mari, can you switch right back to the other slide? Oh, back. Okay. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Uh, the last two things, uh, maintaining confidentiality. So it's really, really important that in these courageous conversations, you know, they're a learning tool where you're able to learn about each other, but it's really important that you make sure that you don't share each other's names. You can definitely share stories and things that you learn in your courageous conversations, but leaving people's names out of them. And then lastly, remembering that this is a journey. We're not going to solve all of uh, the world's issues or even all of your city's issues as it pertains to racial injustices, but this definitely is a starting point and a way to continue to move forward in the right direction. Now I can take the the next. (laughs) okay and this this was another we had an article um in ia magazine uh online last month called navigating inclusive leadership during times of crisis and these are the five action steps we put out there one being leaning in so the fact that you all are on this webinar today that's a sense of leaning in educating yourself so we highly recommend uh there is a resource from the national african excuse me the national african-american museum of History and culture caught talking about race. So, we recommend uh, diving into that resource. I know this, we have a Courageous Conversations Toolkit that we'll be providing uh, to IIAT to to be able to look at. There's an electronic version of it, and there's resources that you can link onto uh, through there. But making sure that you are educating yourself, but while you're educating yourself, don't feel like you need to be a deer in headlights where I need to know everything and I have to become a diversity expert before I can actually move on something. So, also understanding privilege. So, a privilege, a, a white privilege, um, that that very—I know a lot of us are, are familiar with that term, but some people have a hard time still deciphering. Well, what exactly is it? Quite frankly, it's no different than it, wealth privilege. So, coming from a very wealthy family versus. Uh, coming from a very poor family, or when you think of, uh, think of ability. So, if you are an able body that's able to walk, versus someone that's in a wheelchair that's not able to walk. So, the abilities that are the, the abilities that you didn't necessarily um, earn, but you were born with, uh, are, are privilege. So, when it comes to white privilege, sometimes it's easier to understand that privilege if you look at other uh, privileges, gender privilege also being uh, something. Uh, being vocal. So we talked about courageous conversations. That's a very easy way to be vocal uh, as an inclusive leader. And then lastly, uh, supporting minority businesses. So I know we have uh, Dr. Isaiah Pickens on board right now. So with Eye Opening Enterprise, and there's a lot of other minority businesses that are doing phenomenal work across the community. So making sure that we're aware of them and that we support them.
0: Great. Well, thank you very much. I think we we walk away with a lot of takeaways today, um, which is wonderful. And I I think, you know, if anybody wants additional resources, we have them. Um, Dr. Pickens, I look forward to working more with you in the future and having you join us. Maybe someday you'll actually get to come see us in -hmm. Texas. Um, We've got some nice conferences here that hopefully in 21 we'll be able to engage you and have you be part of our our group and meet our Texas uh, agents as well. And, And Whitney, thank you for all the work that you do in helping us out and i just want to wrap it up by thanking everyone for listening today and have a wonderful day and stay safe stay healthy and you know the thing that resonates probably the most with me dr pickens when you began was to say people want to be believed by people in power and it's really what a core piece that is of of creating safety is that i when i talk to you i'm heard you understand you're seeking to understand And that really does a nice job of wrapping it up. So you all have a great day. Thank you so much for your time. Have a good one, everyone.